I can't get past that part which says that hands which should discard me bear wounds which bid me come. I, I look forward to the coming of the Lord, but sometimes I get stuck at why he would even love me. And keeps bringing me back to the cross. Just to think of hands that should discard me. Me. You can think about what you want, but for me, hands which should discard me, bear wounds which bid me come. It's just something I can't get past. All of these years later, I still say, Lord, I don't know why you love me, but I'm so grateful that you did. Don't know why you would save me, but I just delight that you have. And it's all found, as Andrew said this morning in him. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, team, for leading us around the table in worship this morning. Good to see you all. Um, there's plenty of people away today. I trust they'll have a blessed time while they're having a break. Um, would you turn with me, please, to John's Gospel? Um, unfortunately, we can't do nothing with the blustery weather. Uh, uh, we apologize, but it's uh, circumstances beyond our control this morning. Um, But to see when there's so many away, so many are here, uh, I'm encouraged this morning. So uh, I want to thank you for coming. And while you're looking up uh, John 21, or pardon me, John 20, uh, um, while you're looking that up, could I just say that uh, I would love to have you with us this evening as we look at the title, Being a Christian in a Christless World. Um, I just got this thought dropped into me as I was seeking the Lord about it. And God willing, we'll bring that this evening at 6 p.m. John chapter 20, verse 1, please. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have led him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down, and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and saith the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went he and also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And saith two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. 
And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have led him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast led him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I'm not, I am not yet ascended to my father. But go and tell my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that we have been able to sing about the cross work of your son and all that he's done and accomplished for us. Well, thank you this morning that this morning as we remember it as resurrection morning, Lord, we're always mindful that he's raised from the dead. We're always mindful that he is resurrected and is alive forevermore. But this morning we mark it, Lord, in time and in purpose to remind each and every one of us that Jesus is alive. Even as Mary ran to tell the others, Lord, may we run to tell the people of a living Christ this morning, no longer on a cross, no longer in a tomb, but ascended and glorified, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so, Father, to that end, we praise you and we bless you this morning. We thank you for the giving of your Son. And, Lord, we thank you for the giving of your blood that cleansed us and washed us and purged us and purified us and made us clean from all of our sin and transgression and iniquity, from our failures, our faults, and our fallings. Well, thank you, Lord, this morning, even as it's been said and prayed, and sung and done and remembered, Lord, that you have done it all for us. So this morning, Lord, as we gather around and look at scenes at this sepulchre, we pray, O oh God, that you would make them alive unto us afresh. Make it anew to us again, Lord. We get so used to hearing the stories of it, Lord, we forget the reality of it. And hence we pray this morning, Lord, that you would make it real to each and every heart and mind this morning. And if there is one here this morning who is not yet saved but hears of the risen Christ, we pray this morning that they, the Lord, would come to saving faith by the drawing of your Spirit. May they behold the Lamb of God which bore their sin in his own body on the tree. May they repent of their sin and call for mercy. And save for time and eternity. Bless those who are watching, Lord, live or later. Bless those who are away. Bless those who are ill this morning. We ask you, God, you'd give them their portion. And so, Father, lead us on for the next few moments as we read your word and expound it. May the anointing of the Spirit be upon us. In Jesus' name we ask it and pray. Amen. Amen. We want to look this morning at scenes at the sepulchre. Just some of the scenes around us this morning. 
in John 20, beginning to read at verse 1, we read that Mary Magdalene comes to, early to the tomb of our Lord Jesus. And she was among others who came. Yet in John's gospel, he does not mention that there were others who came to the sepulcher. Look at verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and saith the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Notice, then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have led him. Notice this, she says, we know not. So she was with others. But she came to Peter and John. When we're reading here, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John is speaking in the third person of himself. And did Jesus not love all the disciples? He loved every one of them. And that's not the point John's making. John's making the point that he knew Jesus loved him. That's the point, that's the purpose here. That we are to know that Jesus may love your brothers and sisters around you, yes, of course. But that you would know purposefully within yourself, within your own heart, that he loves you. That you could say, Jesus loves me. When I think that Jesus loved me when I was in the world, when I think that Jesus loved me when I was in my sin, yes, he did. He loved you when you were in the world and when you were in your sin. When I think that Jesus loved me when I was in the nightclubs, when I was sitting in the shabines run by paramilitaries, when I was sitting on drink and drugs out of my head, that Jesus loved me. That Jesus loved you. It's unfathomable to grasp hold of it. That when I was away from him and didn't want to know him, I didn't really even believe in God, yet he loved me before I knew anything about him. It's a mystery to me. It's a marvel to me. But it's magnificent to me that Christ would love me. You see, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, notice, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commendeth his love. It gives the idea he displayed his love. He showed his love. He put forth his love in the person of Christ, his son. And not only that, it means his love came and stood by me. His love came and stood beside me. To think that when I was out of my head, to think when I was in violent ways at times, when I was getting up to no good at times, that his love still stood by me. That his love came and still stood by you. And this morning, God's love still stands by you. 
What a wonder. It's past our understanding. It's way beyond our fathoming. Past our finding out that God in eternity gave us to his son and loved us so much. And listen, there's not one of us would be lost because it's all of him. John says, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. And this woman, Mary Magdalene, came and she come running to Peter and John from the sepulchre. But she said the little word in verse 2, they have taken the Lord out of the sepulchre. Notice, and we. So there's others there, but only Mary ran back. And only John mentions Mary first and foremost and only. For example, if you if you want to mark it down, we, we'll not go through all of these for time's sake. In Matthew 28 and 1, Andrew read it this morning around the table. In uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 1, and in Luke 24 and verse 1, these three synoptic gospels all tell us about Mary. But they mention other names at the sepulchre. They mention other names with her. But only John mentions Mary and nobody else. And I wondered about that when I, when I was, I was going through all these uh, earlier in the week and I was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke and John on it. And I went back and I read it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John on it over and over again. And I read it again this morning twice. Every single time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm thinking, John, why did you just mention Mary? She says we, so there are others there. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention their names. But why only mention Mary? And I'm wondering, is it because it was this woman whom the Lord cast out seven devils? And this woman loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder when the disciples who then came, that is Peter and John, when they came and it says they left and went home when they found the body of Jesus wasn't there. But Mary still stayed there. Mary lingered on, you see. Sometimes in our life we... We, we don't grasp things. We don't understand things. And even in a time when there's the, the Lord is blessing and, and sometimes others are so ready to go home because they've had their, their portion of the blessing, but there are the some who just wish we could linger a little while longer to maybe get a special revelation and touch of the Master's hand. Something about lingering, waiting on the presence of the Lord. There's something about just holding off and lingering around where he was last laying or found. And Mary, she lingered behind. It doesn't say why she did, but she did. Mary is in tears. The tears are tripping her, as we would say, running down her face. And she hears a voice, and the voice calls her name, Shahada Christ Encounter. Shahada Christ Encounter. 
Oh, the voice of the Lord, the risen Christ, Mary. I wonder what his tone was like. I wonder what it sounded like. Mary. She could hear the voice and turns around and thinks it's the gardener. Was it because her tears were blinding her eyes and they were blurry and she couldn't see through? Or was it because he was just holding the form for a moment to see if she would ask? If you know where the place, my Lord, please let me know and I will go to find him. That was a heart of love. Big Peter loved him. John loved him. And he knew that the Lord loved him back again. For he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, he calls himself. But, but something about this woman lingered behind because she wasn't satisfied until she knew where he was. If you tell me where he is, I'll go and I'll find him. You see, in Matthew 20, Matthew's account in chapter 28, that morning there was an earthquake. Matthew tells us the rest don't. Let me think of an earthquake knocking down buildings. I, 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 I believe this was a shaking of the ground because a power from heaven came and rolled away the stone. It wasn't a, a big uh, earthquake to, to destroy all the towns round about or Jerusalem. And Matthew tells us of an earthquake as the stone was rolled away from the door. In Mark's account and in Luke's account, they tell us about them making spices to come. So there's more people coming. And as I said, their name is mentioned. They make sweet spices, actually. Mark's account mentions the word. And do you know where they get that from? In Exodus chapter 30. The Lord tells Israel of how they're to make a, a sweet spice for an apocryphary to, to, to burn, to make a, a smelling uh, odor. And then in Exodus 37, near the end, you hear about them making this up. So what the Lord said to do, they went and done it. And some might say, well, why would the Lord want this? Because... You see, there's something, something stinks about death. You think of all the animals. You think of the heat of the day even. You think of the the blood that was shed of all of these animals. You think about what's on the ground and the stillness of it and the, the odor rising from the ground of it. You think of some of the carcasses maybe have been slain earlier and before they're taken away to be burned in Gehenna outside the city walls, even when there was a, a, a temple rather than a tabernacle or when there was a tabernacle also to dispose of that. You think of the, 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 the worms that were breeding in these things. See, the Lord Jesus talks about, about hell and he speaks about a hell where there's a flame which doesn't go out and there's a worm, you know, which is a, a, a worm that can't be killed, really, it means. This worm of, of hell, and he's speaking, thinking of 
Gehenna fire, which was a rubbish dump of the animal carcasses outside the city walls. And all the carcasses that weren't used and the bones and all the bits and pieces and the guts and the entrails outside the walls was putrefying in a certain place on the south side. So they set it on fire and hence the eternal burning fire. And he says, there's a a hell like this for the Christ rejecter. He says, and those who don't trust me will end up here. Well, you see, on the day of the sacrifices, the stents would go up. Smell of blood. And he says, make this as a, a sweet odor to cover the smell. You know, when you, when you have maybe, a, a, there's an odor comes into, into your house from something, you get the air freshener out, don't you? Farmer out our back, comes right up the, our, the back wall with the muck. And he sprays everywhere. And honestly, I feel like letting his tires down sometimes. The house is putrefied with it. It's stinking. He was even out in Boxing Day doing it. And we had family coming for dinner. And they're sitting there dinner going. And we were like this. Dalson lights those wee candles with the stuff in it. And it's the same. And, and they, Mark's account, uh, they come to the, to the sepulchre so that Matthew has the scene of an earthquake. Mark and, and Luke have the scene of these spices to come to anoint the body of the Lord. Because, you see, they're thinking, this is going to rot away, this body, because they believed that after three days, the body would go into putrefaction and stink. Hence, when Lazarus died, remember, and the Lord didn't go to the fourth day. Remember, a sister comes and says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life and, and so on. And, and the sister says, oh, I know this, Lord, but if we go to the tomb now, it's been four days since he's died and now he stinketh. <laughs> he's stinking by now. Putrefaction is set in. The body would be rotten and you know, Lord, it's four days. You don't want to go near that tomb. So they believed after three days the putrefaction would come in. So early in the morning they go to try to bring preservative to him, trying to put it in to clean the body, trying to bring it in to take away odor. See, that was love was doing that. That was That was love. Coming to minister even to the dead body of Christ. We're always saying, and, and, and unfortunately it's always in the man-centered songs that a lot of Christians are singing now. And it's, it's no longer about him and his blood and his cross and his work and his doing. It's about blessing me and what you can give me and do for me and here am I. And the Christian needs to learn how to minister on the Christ. How to minister your love to him like the woman who broke the alabaster box. Minister from the heart and minister in giving. Minister coming even to as it were like they did with the dead body. Even when you feel that this game is over as it were. That this time is over. 
There's no more hope or you feel low and beat and down and lifeless and even hopeless. You still minister unto him because you love him. Keep ministering. Learn to minister to Christ. We've lost we've lost the the know how to minister to him. Singing unto him, Christ centered, Christ themed, Christ having the preeminence. It's all one line repetitive about me, myself, and I, what I'm gonna have, what I can do. Listen. It's about ministering to him and what he has done. They come to minister to the body of Christ and find he is risen indeed from the dead. For example, in Mark 16, in verse 3, they say, the women say, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? This big stone, who's going to roll it away? What are we going to do? You have to think also of the courage of these women. The courage of these women. As a pastor, sometimes I feel there's more courage in the women. There's more grit in them, more drive in many of the men. The courage of these women were the stone was rolled across the doorway it was set, a seal was set upon it and there were soldiers there. Now you and I may go, well, that's the end of it. We're not going to go now. These women said, you know what? I don't care if the soldiers are there or not, I'm going. I don't care if they'll arrest us or not, I'm going. I don't care if they bring us before Pilate, I'm going. I don't care if Pilate sealed on it, seal is on it, and if we break that seal, certain death will happen to us. I don't care. The only thing they said was, who's going to roll away the stone? Because we can't do it ourselves with our hands. That's the only thing they were concerned about. Notice this. We're told an angel rolled away the stone. Here's what I've written. They saw an angel in human form, and it is important to take note. I write these things when I'm studying. Sometimes in my head, I just write down what I'm thinking. It is important to take note. The stone was not taken away to let Jesus out, but rather it was taken away to let the the disciples in. And here's why I am saying that. Remember this. After his resurrection... Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room. The doors being shut for fear of the Jews, it says, when the disciples were in the upper room. The Jews were looking to kill them. And it says the disciples were in the upper room and the door was shut. And what happens? Then Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. Jesus stood in the midst of them. How did he do it? I don't know, but I'll find out when he comes again. So he stood in the midst of them. Uh, Mark 16, if you want to uh, flick with me quickly. 
Mark 16. Just a couple of verses here, if you will. Verse 12. Let's look at this. This is after his resurrection. Verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. Now, take note of this. Two people are going into the country and he appears in another form. Hence, Mary didn't know him at the garden. And now we're told he appeared to another two as he went and they went into the country. And if you go to Luke 24, we haven't time to read all of this. You mark it down. You read it when you get a, a time you want to do it as a little study. And from verse 13 it says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem has not known the things which are come to pass in these days. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and be crucified. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, if you read on down there, he gives them a Bible study of the things concerning himself. In the breaking of bread, he makes himself known unto them. Notice, in the breaking of bread. Brothers and sisters, that's why it's imperative for you to be breaking bread as a believer, because at times like this, we remember his death and he can make himself known unto us. We remember his precious blood, and his broken body. Take note of this, if you will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6, we're told that after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Now notice, 500 at once seen him. And then we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, meaning that we will have our resurrected bodies or should Christ come when we live, we will have our bodies changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and our bodies will be like his. So I don't know how it works, but Jesus was able, bodily raised, raised bodily, but yet he could walk through the room to the disciples, stand in the midst of them. He could say unto Thomas, Behold my hands and my feet, my riven side. Thrust your finger in and find out it is my myself. And he could feel it. It was tangible. Yet he's able to appear to others, disguise himself even here, that people couldn't even recognize him, the two in the road to a mess. I don't know what sort of body that is, but we're told that we will bear the image of him when he returns again, when he comes again. 
So the stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but the disciples in. First of all, this shows the frailty of our human frame. This shows the frailty of our human frame. These women couldn't even move the stone by themselves. They were wondering how they were going to move the stone by themselves. The the frailty of the human frame, it shows us that a stone, a simple though heavy stone, could keep them away from the Lord. It represents the stone of the deadness of the hearts of men and women. Here we find that our hearts are like stone, the Lord says. And he would give us, when we're saved, a heart of flesh, meaning a spiritual heart, a living heart, a beating heart, and a new heart. Have you had that heart? Do you have that heart? Living, beating, pulsating for Christ. That's the born-again heart. Beating after him. The soul or the spirit of man and woman pulsating as it were. Craving, desiring, wanting, needing, pleading, looking, searching, seeking more of him. That's the living heart. The living heart of the person that you are deep inside you. More of him. And the heart of stone is like you can't get near him. It shows the frailty of the human frame. Secondly, it tells us that that which is impossible with man is made possible with God. That which is impossible with man is made possible with God. In other words, we cannot save ourselves. We can't lift one finger to work. We can't do one thing or try No alms or deeds. And if I remember, Andrew mentioned it around the table. He was 100% right. There's nothing that we can do. Praying this morning before I come out, reading through the four Gospels in the house and just worshiping the Lord early this morning. And it says, Lord, there's nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Nothing in our hands that we have to give nor to offer. And some people think, well, I'll be good or I'll do or I'll try or I'll uh, use alms or deeds or charity and church going and religion and denomination and such and such. And listen, friend, if that's what you rely on, uh, then that is what's keeping you out of heaven. And the stone, as it were, of a stony heart has not been rolled away. Only by faith trusting In Christ alone can we be saved. And it's impossible with man, but it's only possible with God. Thirdly and quickly, this reveals to us the willingness of God to give or the willingness of God to send divine assistance when we are walking according to his will. And it's for the glory of his son. He sent an angel that came an earthquake and he moved the stone away from the door. You might be saying this morning, I really need a move of God. You might be saying, I really need God to do something, whether it's in your home life, your married life, whether it's in 
your your social life, whether it's in whatever. I really need God to move in me. My body, my Christian, I can tell you. I can tell you that God is the same. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. We're told Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the one who moved away the stone just sent an agency of the angel to move it is the one who lives within you this morning. He rolled away the stone and his willingness to give divine assistance is even greater than your need this morning. But will you reach out and trust him for it? His willingness to meet your need is even greater. Even greater than your need this morning. Fourthly, this shows us that God will always honor his word. And that we are merely honored and privileged to be witnesses to that. For example, in, you write these down, we're not going to look at them all, but... In Acts 2, 27, in Acts 13 and verse 15, it it reiterates the words from Psalm 16 and verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or the grave in the tomb, in the sepulcher here. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Let's not get into this erroneous thought that Jesus went to hell. Jesus conquered hell. Amen. Some charismatics are saying, now Jesus had to suffer for three days in hell. Jesus never suffered for three days in hell. Jesus didn't go to hell as we think of hell, that burning place. Jesus died and conquered it. He's victorious over it. And he died and conquered it that I'll never be there. And if you're saved this morning, neither will you. Will you say praise the Lord? Neither will you. Notice this. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. What was the corruption? We go right back to the three days where they they believed where the, the body would rot and stink. On the fourth day, Lord, my brother will stink by now. He's dead four days already. Well, listen, he saw no corruption. Do you know why? The Lord raised him on the third day. Because after three days, they believed. Into the fourth where corruption set in. Christ was raised on the third day. Thou wilt not suffer his body to see corruption. I must move quickly and round this up. I want you to get away home so you can get away out tonight. Uh, Matthew 28 Verses 5 and 6. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Now notice this. God privileges us by giving us revelation of his wonders, of his works, And the spiritual ability to see and perceive and know his ways. We are witnesses to his fulfilled word. 
We are honored to have his written word and we are blessed to know his flesh word. In other words, in the beginning was the word. We sang it. Rebecca laid it this morning. We talked about it actually at the Bible. Uh, well, done a Bible study in a prayer meeting Wednesday night past. And we talked about it. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. And so we have the spirit word. He's spirit. And then we have the flesh word. The word was made flesh. The son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have the written word. And he is the embodiment of Genesis, the revelation and every word. This doesn't contain the word of God. This is the word of God. People say, well, it just contains the word of God. No, friend, it is the word of God. So notice this. We see all of this happening and we're blessed for that. But God did not expect them to believe the testimony of an angel alone. He's not here, he's risen. God didn't expect them to believe the testimony of an angel alone. alone, But that they must look for and they must behold the wonders of the glory of the resurrection themselves. Peter and John, when Mary runs back to tell them, Peter and John start running. Remember, Peter is in a panic because Peter denied him thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly, it says. In other words, it means he wept and he wept and he wept and he wept and he wept as though he would never stop weeping. So you can imagine Peter's heart. The Lord has been crucified. The Lord was uh, manhandled and beaten and whipped and nailed hand and foot to the cross and and all of these things that happened to him. And now he's laid in a tomb. He's dead. The stone was rolled over the door. The seal was set. The soldiers were guarding. And Peter goes, what have I done? But suddenly the woman says, he's alive. He's alive. Peter, he starts running. As we would say, Peter goes into a sprint. to a, He boats it, as it were. And they're running toward the sepulchre. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, well, he's doing the same. Thing is, John is younger than Peter, probably fitter than Peter, and he outruns Peter. And John runs to the door of the sepulchre, puts on the brakes. It says he didn't go in, he looked in. He just looked in. But big, bold, impetuous Peter, he keeps running. And while John's just looking in like this, Peter just runs straight through and right in. He needs to know, will he forgive me? He needs to know, is he alive and will he forgive me? He runs right in. And the grave clothes are folded at the where the head and the feet were. Do you know why they were folded? Because at dinner what they used to do was they folded napkins to say, I don't need that anymore. They were folded at the head and the feet because Jesus was saying, I'm not going to need those anymore. Risen from the dead. Exalted, ascended, glorified. So Peter runs in because he has 
denied the Lord three times. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he was at the cross and watched him in agony when he said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. He needs to see, but he stops, whether it's his age or maybe his maturity, I don't know, but he stops to look in. But Peter just goes right in first, even though he comes in second, but he ends up first. See, the first shall be lost, and the last shall be first. And you may be a bit slower, as it were, in the spirit, and picking up things of the Holy Ghost, but I can tell you, you may be a bit slower in the things of the Word of God and how God has shown you, but listen, you see others that are sprinting ahead. Don't you worry about it. You go with what God's give you because there's going to be a time Maybe they'll stall and start, stop, and you'll just keep on going. And you'll keep on going. So let me close this. Romans 4 and verse 25 says these words. Of our Lord Jesus. Who was delivered for our. Offences. He was delivered for our offences. Would you say offences? It's a word parapomai. And it means to deviate from the right path. To lapse. To go from the truth to wander astray. Am I speaking to someone this morning and you've deviated from the right path? That you've lapsed from the truth of the word? Speaking this morning that you've gone astray. Listen to what Isaiah 53 says. For he was wounded for our transgressions. Verse 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Listen, all we like sheep have gone. What's the word? That's all of us were like that. Maybe there's one still straying out there. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, the Father laid on the Son. Jehovah laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was delivered up. In other words, yes, the Jews called for his death. Yes, the Romans done the deed. But he was delivered up for our offenses. Because we went astray. And was raised for our justification. Would you say justification? Uh, it's the word digalsis, and it gives the idea of the act of God declaring the sinner free from guilt and them, be, and them that is the guilt-free now sinner being made acceptable to God. So if you're not saved, you're not acceptable to God. That's what the scriptures tell us. You're still an offense to him because you're in your offenses. 
And if you're not saved, God will not accept you. He says, he said to me, he would have said to me if I had came 30 years ago. You're unacceptable to me, son, until I was saved. You're unacceptable to me, daughter. You're unacceptable in your lifestyle. You're unacceptable in how you are. You're unacceptable in what you do. You're unacceptable to me and my holiness. But in Christ, in Christ, he now declares a sinner like me not guilty. And he says, son, you're acceptable to me. Come on in. I'm speaking to someone and you know that's you this morning. And you need to get right with God this morning. So I wonder, I wonder if this woman, Mary, who was unacceptable to God before she met Christ, I wonder, is she the woman, because others wonder too, I'm not on my own, who anointed the Lord's feet, anointed the Lord and washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, there's two anointings now. And some think this may be, although we're not told, and some say, well, there's no real reason to think it. So there's a, a bit of a debate whether it's her or not. But if it is her, as some do think, I just wonder, that day, and I'm paraphrasing this to close it, that day when all complaints were being uh, put forward by the Pharisee, and he was in his religious rut, unsaved and un, unknowing of God, thinking he knew God. I just can't help but wonder when the Lord says, leave her alone. And he says that they who have been forgiven much will love much. And if you've been forgiven much, listen... I know what I've been forgiven of. Well, let me rephrase that. I know a lot of what I've been forgiven of. There's things that I've done before God, things that I've sinned before God, I know nothing about, and he's forgiven me of them. But what I know that I've been forgiven of is an awful lot. And I love him. I love him because he first loved me. And the problem is that many of us don't, love him we don't do that pouring out our love to him uh, ministering on to him seeking after him because we don't realize we don't even get to, to fathom part of it or we forget just how much the savior loved us and forgave us off but i was saved when i was young and grew up as a a, a christian or a young child and Saved early and you know I haven't been forgiven much. Yes you were for all of sin that come short of the glory of God. And you have been kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And you've been kept from the things of the world and the things that devastate. You've been kept by the master's hand. That's enough to love him. That's more than enough to love him. But as for me. He forgave me much, so I love him much. So seems at the sepulchre this morning, I trust that the Lord has maybe blessed you or challenged you as we've went through the scriptures this morning.
God bless you. Team, come on up, please.